It's that considering myself in that sense that we become, I think, better counselors because of living life. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to live the exact situation that the individual is going through. So we're not going to have all the answers, but we do have the answer. His name is Jesus. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. as you guys get settled into your seats, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Today we're going to be looking at the first 10 verses, and it's really this idea of, I had titled it, Bear One Another's Burdens, but, you know, if I would have known it was only going to be 10 verses that I would have covered this week, I would have probably titled this Bearing and Sharing, because it's a responsibility that we all have. And really, what Paul does is in verse 1 and in verse 6, he gives us principles that he wants to expound on. And so in verse 1, he gives us a principle, and then he spends the rest of verse 1 all the way through verse 5 expounding on that principle of restoration. And then in verse 6, he gives us a principle of that of giving, really, and then spends verses 7 through 10, expounding upon that principle of giving, how it affects our lives. And so Paul is really the teacher in these last 10 verses that we're going to be looking at today as he's kind of wrapping up the book. And we get into um, verse 11, it's kind of the beginning of the farewell address. You know, in all of his epistles, he has his goodbyes, and sometimes there's reviews, and there are. We'll look at those next week. But Up to verse 10, he's still in the teaching mode, and he's teaching the fellowship, which he has been in the last two chapters, uh, chapters 5 and 6, really getting into application. You know, okay, Paul, we're not going to be circumcised. I, I realize the Judaizers are wrong, which we is fighting against, but how does it apply to our lives? And we looked at that last week in the area of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and And it's just a great passage from verses 16 through 26, speaking about the the walk of the Spirit, uh, being led of the Spirit, having the fruit of the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and and just having God kind of direct our hearts. But he closes out that section, teaching us in verse 26 of chapter 5, let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And I think that is really a springboard that gets us into chapter 
six, because there is this idea of people in the church, and I've seen it myself, and I've probably done it, and if I have, I, I pray that I repent of it, that we can get this superiority complex, that I've been walking with Jesus longer than you, so just listen to me, buddy, and uh, I'll show you and I'll tell you how it should be done. So he closes out that section and, and just, you know, to dream about having the fruit of the Spirit functioning in our lives, as we looked at last week, to say that, yes, I walk in the Spirit, I'm being led by the Spirit, um, the fruit of the Spirit is just working in my life, and I'm living by the Spirit. This area of conceit can really come into play, and that's a great danger for us. Really, we could just uh, change the word of conceit to pride, and pride has been an issue in man's heart for well, since I think God created man, that we deal so often with an issue of pride in our hearts that it is a constant battleground for us. And so we begin, and it's very interesting to me, we begin in verse 1 learning about a brother who has been overtaken by a trespass. And then he spends the rest of that portion from, um, we could say, verse 1, part B, all the way through verse 5, not dealing with the person who fell in a trespass, but dealing with the one who's going to restore. The attitude of that individual who is the restorer of such a brother. And, and that is really what Paul is wanting to teach. Not the sin, not the person who fell, but those of us who would come alongside and try to help a brother or sister and to restore them back into the fellowship of the church, the body, or we could say back into fellowship with Christ. And Father, we just pray that you would bless the teaching of your word. Lord, let your spirit just have his way in my heart and in our hearts, Lord, that I would say the right words, but also that we would hear the things that you would have for us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a brother who has been overtaken by a trespass. The Greek word for overtaken is an interesting word because it's kind of like, well, after church, we have lunch downstairs almost all the time now, it seems. But um, I'm never down there. I'm usually there when, you know, there might be something left, maybe. But I'm usually, you know, I, that's fine. I'm not complaining whatsoever. As people talk to Lily and myself, as we minister to people upstairs, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But I would assume that there's usually a first in line downstairs. Somebody's got to go first, right? The idea of the word overtake is um, that person who we could say that they receive their meal first. They have eaten their food before all the others. They kind of overtook the lunch line. That's the the idea of the word that they've been overtaken. It gets the picture and context of a brother is just walking along and he's serving the Lord and suddenly sin overtakes him. You know, it's like it's caught up to him and suddenly he's caught up in it. And it caught him. The idea is that he's been caught unaware by sin. A trespass, you know, in the Old Testament, in the sacrifices, there are intentional sins and unintentional sins. And and there can be both, but to me it seems that this is really talking about someone who just got tripped up. They didn't intend to. They got tripped up into sin, but that's where they're at, and they're in trouble. Now, that's all that's really said about the brother who has been overtaken by this trespass. Now, the rest of the passage, 
Paul deals with the restorer of such a brother. And so he really deals with, uh, with us as believers in this. And he says, you who are spiritual, and there is a key right there, that you want to make sure that you have maturity in Christ if you're going to begin to counsel God's word or to give counsel. There's a lot of people who give counsel without God's word. Years ago, when I first surrendered into the ministry and I was 28 years old, and even prior to that, because I played in a Christian band for 10 years from 17 to 28, people would come to me after concerts or even at church and stuff, and they would begin to share what's going on in their life, and they were seeking counsel um, from me. You know, the first time I think I got a phone call and I was going to church, I had surrendered to preach the gospel at First Baptist Church of Libertyville. That's where we were fellowshipping, had been for years, and, and I remember getting a, a first phone call from somebody from the church seeking counsel. Now, first of all, she probably shouldn't have been calling me probably should have been calling the pastor, which I discovered through the phone call that she had. Sometimes people will seek out counsel because they didn't like what pastor said, so they want to find someone else who will be in their court, you know. Uh, I didn't like what pastor said, so I'm calling you to see what you're going to say. And I was really just a, a breath of relief when she said, that's what Pastor Gene said. It's like, whew, you know. <laughs> Because I was kind of caught on the spot, and I wasn't expecting it. And at this point, I had someone who listens to our radio station have some, a year ago, or a year and a half ago, probably two years now, but something went on in his church. He was really upset with his pastor, and this is a church that's not even in Lake Villa. But he listens to our radio station. He called me up. He wanted to come in. He was really desperate. And so I let him come in, and... And he sat down and I said, have you talked to your pastor about this yet? And he goes, no. And I said, well, you need to do that before you come to me. And we talked, but I really put it back on him. And then I saw him again and he said, I went and talked to my pastor. And it was really a misunderstanding. But I wasn't the person he needed to be talking to. He needed to go right to his pastor and kind of deal with this situation that had come up. You know, you who are spiritual, that immaturity, and what I was getting to with all that story about First Baptist Church in Libertyville and the guy coming in, is that years ago there was a, a missionary at the church in Libertyville who told me, you know, when I counsel my own words, I know that I can get in trouble, but if I counsel the Word of God, if I give him the Word of God, I got a guarantee that God's Word is not going to come back void. And I've always remembered that. I think that goes with the maturity, because you really can't counsel God's word unless you're a student of his word. And I believe that we can, you know, take those baby steps, because I have discovered the more I do it, the better and easier it gets. But I never want to get to the point to where I just think I know it all, because what I may think may be the answer for that person who has a difficulty or is been overtaken by a trespass, what I might think could be totally wrong. And so I want to be led by God's Holy Spirit to give the scripture, the verses, the counsel that's needed for that individual. And that means um, having the skill of listening. Because a lot of times it's like, oh yeah, I handled this one last year. I'm going to apply the same thing because it worked then for them. 
And it's not going to work for this individual because they're not the same person. So it's one of maturity, but we're also to do it in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And what I have learned through experience is that God has humbled me so much through the years. That this spirit of gentleness has almost become a natural for me. I hope it has. Because... I have been humbled by life. And I never wanted to forget considering myself, lest I also be tempted. You know, I used to think as a young father with my two children, and and they were doing so well, that when I would see kids misbehaved or just out of control, I would think, man, if they only did things right. I was only in my 20s back then, but I still had that thought. And then... I had my teenager, John. Man, he challenged us. And no longer did I look at parents who were struggling with teens that were just kind of going off the deep end and think, you know, if they'd only done it right, if they'd only raised him in church, we did all that. And John still uh, took a 10 to 12-year hiatus from church and fellowship with the Lord. Keep it in prayer. I, I encourage them because I've been there. But it's that considering myself in that sense that we become, I think, better counselors because of living life. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to live the exact situation that the individual is going through. Not one person is going to experience everything in this world and all the hurts of this world. But we do know the one person who can heal and who can help, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're not going to have all the answers, but we do have the answer. His name is Jesus. And we always want to be pointing them uh, towards Jesus. We want to be bearing, verse 2, one another's burdens. So fulfills the law of Christ. This idea of bearing a burden is carrying a load and it's just coming along. So can I help you with that load? You know, I try to do that, um, especially with my wife like bringing groceries in. You know, it would just be wrong, husbands, (laughs) if your wife goes to the grocery store and and she comes back and is unloading the car, but you don't lift a finger to help bring them in. Now, I don't know if I'm... And you might be having something going on, but you know what? It's it's good to stop and to bear the load together. And just to to help out, you know, it's going to pay in dividends big time in a marital relationship, if you do so. And little things, just little things, but to help carry the load, to help bear the burdens. But he goes on further in saying, so fulfills the law of Christ. Now, the law of Christ that is being referred to here is that of, that of love. Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. James wrote it this way. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. You do well. And so to bear one another's burdens is referring to the fulfillment of the law of Christ, which is loving one another. And the Lord said, the world will know that you are my disciples if you have a love. For one another. James says it's a royal law. 
that we should live by, that we love one another. And if you're going to love one another, you're going to help bear the burdens of each other. You're going to come alongside. Sometimes we can't carry the load that they're going through. But we can come alongside and perhaps take some of the things off their plates. Does that make sense? I mean, as Lily fought and battled um, breast cancer, I couldn't help her in that battle in the sense of that was her battle. But I could do everything to come alongside to help ease her battle and to help share and to bear in that burden. And as you guys um, have, through sharing with meals or just giving an encouraging word through a, a card or something, you know, it's just kind of easing the burden of that battle, just letting people know. And that's beautiful when it works that way. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples. And we fulfill the law of Christ when we bear one another's burdens. In verse 3, says, If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And so this idea of superiority, we think we're, we're something. We think we're all that, when actually we're not. And uh, everybody else knows it but you, I guess, you know. It's just like you think it, but they realize you're not all that you think you are. You know, if he thinks himself to be something, he deceives himself. I was thinking of Peter. He, poor Peter. But I'm so thankful for him because he has become such a great illustration in so many areas. And this is one of those areas. Jesus was telling his disciples that he was uh, going to be crucified. But that night... After the, the Lord's Supper, he said to his disciples, or during the supper, he said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me tonight. Now, John tells us that in John 13, but Peter, in Matthew 26, Peter responds to that and says, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never stumble. That story is found in Matthew 26, 30, verses 31 through 35, but just what was Peter saying? You know, I don't care what the other 11 are going to do tonight, but not me. I'm not going to stumble. And Jesus went on to say, you will not only stumble, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter responded back again. And he said, you know, I'll die for you tonight before I deny you three times. And all the other disciples, it tells us, said the same thing that night. And so they kind of all followed Peter's lead. But it's only Peter we get to follow in this story. We do know that all the other disciples forsook the Lord that night. Peter followed along closely, wasn't with the Lord, but he was in the courtyard of the high priest when Jesus was first arrested. And in that courtyard experience, before that night was over, just as the Lord had said, Peter denied Jesus three times. Now, what I really like about this story is that when we get to John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, we see the Lord Jesus restoring Peter in the spirit of gentleness. Let's go ahead and, and look at John's gospel. It's a great example. Chapter 21, so the last chapter in John. And let's just look at that story. I think it's a great example of how to restore in gentleness. John 21, 15. So when they had eaten breakfast... Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. 
And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now he goes on to prophesy that Peter would be crucified one day. But just that restoration process there, how Jesus came in the spirit of gentleness. There's something that the Greek really helps in this story because in the Greek, there's four different words for love. Two of them are used in the story. When Jesus came to Peter the first two times, he said, Peter, do you agape me? And this is speaking about that godly love that Jesus has for the church, has for us. And when Peter responded, every time Peter responded, he came back with the word phileo, which means a brotherly love. So Jesus said, Peter, do you agape me? Peter said, Lord, you know I phileo you. And Jesus could have said, look, Peter, that's not what I said. It's not what I asked you. It's not the love that... You know, it could have been the non-spirit of gentleness. But what's really beautiful about this is that Jesus asked him twice, do you agape me? That third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you phileo me? And, you know, I believe that the Lord was trying to restore Peter back to a level. And later on in the epistles of Peter, Peter will talk about the agape love. So he gets there one day, but it wasn't this day. But I think Jesus was trying to lift Peter up to agape. And Peter was only willing to stay at phileo at that time, brotherly love for one another. And I believe Jesus came down to his level where he was at and said, will you phileo me? And I think that's why it says Peter was grieved in his heart that Jesus, he knew the change. He says, you know, I will. I phileo you. You know all things. But that is restoration. It's a beautiful picture of restoration in the spirit of gentleness. Now, again, I said counseling It's not a one-size-fits-all. So there are times where, and this is where maturity comes into play, but Jude writes to us in verse 22. It's a one-chapter book. But Jude says this, On some have compassion, making distinction, verse 23, but others save with fear, being pulled out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh which means sometimes you're going to have to push harder than you would for others. That you have distinction. You have some, they need gentleness, they need compassion. Others, hang them over hell. Does that make sense? (laughs) But it takes maturity to know who to hang over hell and who not to. And I don't know if I always get that right. And I'm sure I don't. That's why it's so important for us to really consider ourselves when we're helping in the restoration process of another. I think we have done well in many of these areas of loving one another. How we share in each other's burdens. Not get into each other's lives as a sense of gossip or something like that, but how we have a deep, genuine concern for brothers and sisters of this fellowship. You know, that is a good mark of a church. 
I pray that it would continue to be our mark, that people would see us and see Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, teaching us through this portion of scripture. And we just give you praise for it and pray, Lord, that you would apply it to our lives. We're applicable. And so, Lord, if we're one who is in need of restoration, Lord, bring the mature brother or sister alongside to help restore. Lord, if we're the mature brother or sister, but we've had this superiority complex, and Lord, we just need to confess. Or perhaps we haven't tried to restore in the spirit of gentleness. We need to confess to you now, Lord. I pray that you would just work in our hearts in that area. Perhaps, Lord, you're, you wanted to teach on, on this area of giving to some of the body here and to myself and, and our attitudes and how we give. Lord, may we realize that through our gifts, we have a share in the work that you've called us to. And Lord, we're all going to reap in that share. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bless this fellowship. And above all, Lord, that we would be a fellowship that has a concern for one another and that would fulfill the law of Christ, that we love one another, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.